0: Abraham left his country. All that he knew at the sound of a voice. He recognized as his Lord. He had faith Leave and follow for the promises given, not knowing if it ain't ever come true. But little by little, as he left, God built his faith. With everything he went through, to the point where his faith was so great he was willing to sacrifice his son for his God. We go through things every day that we don't even look at. It's a faith builder. You know, our faith is being built every single day. Every minute of your life is a faith builder. You know, when you talk to scientists, because of the way the human body is put together, we shouldn't be alive. And here we are. What a faith builder. We just came through something that we prayed for a man who showed us what a Christian country could look like. They tried to put him in jail, twice. Tried to stop him from ever being able to even try it again. What a faith builder, he was acquitted, twice. If you don't think you have faith You look at what your prayers are doing. Chapter 11 lists a bunch of people in Hebrews. You read it. We in our life have never been through anything that they have. Would you be willing to sacrifice your son? Do you have the faith to put him on the altar? We don't put him on a physical altar today. But are you willing to put him on that spiritual altar and let God deal with him? Change his heart, change his mind, bring him to where he's supposed to be in our Lord. I wasn't going to get up here today. <laughs> uh,
1: <clears throat>
0: but my neighbor came to me twice yesterday. He don't know me. All he knows is me, his neighbor Jake. First time was he had a flat tire. His girlfriend lost a jack, so he had to borrow one from somebody. But the four-way, he didn't have a four-way, all he had was one lug wrench and it didn't fit. So he came to me. I got him going, prayed for him. Lo and behold, later on that night, at 8.30 at night, I got a knock on my door. Car won't start. I go out and jump him off so he can go run down to Walmart and get a new battery. I got to pray for him again. You know, if you're not praying to meet your neighbors, you need to. Because he opened up to me. Told me about his aunt that just died. She died of brain cancer. Told me about his mama, who he's been dealing with, her death. I got to witness and pray for him again. Do you not see your prayers working? You know, God's got bowls of them. You know, and if we're living in the end times, he's going to pour them out. And you are literally going to see your prayers come to life. Right now, we look for them. Yeah, we see little sparks. We look through a glass darkly. But What are you going to do when you actually pray for somebody and they stand up? There are people in this country that have done that. You know, I went to war. I knew it was happening. Everybody else was going to Canada. But you see, I had a word I was lost as a hoot out. But I got a word. I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew I was going to get wounded. But I knew how. And I knew what was going to happen when I got wounded. Well, so I, you look through a glass darkly. Other things happened. But the word I got actually came true. It bothered me for a long time. How can you actually know what's going to happen in your life? Abraham knew. He knew where he was, he didn't know where he was going, but he knew what was going to happen. Enoch knew. Noah knew. They all had faith, faith in God. We don't see Him, but you see His handiwork. You look at your neighbor, look at the man, the absolutely beautiful world He's given us to live in. I've seen more of it than most. And I never found any part of it that was not gorgeous, even the deserts. He gave us everything, a place to live, prosper. And then just when things are beginning, he gave us his son. They called the end but it wasn't the end because that's when we started. That's when God's people came alive. That's when we got the opportunity to give back what he gave us. He gave us life. And if you're not willing to give that back to Him, you need to get on your knees, fall on your face, do whatever you have to do to get back with Him. He is everything you'll ever need in every aspect of your life.
2: This morning during worship, right before Pastor Lane came up and shared his word about an encounter, I was hearing the same thing. So I heard God say, you've gathered here in my name and I'm here. He said, I didn't come here so you could say, wow, I came here to have an encounter with you. Do you want to have an encounter with me? And I said, well, God, that was my word you just gave me. Then he said, no, I want, you to, I want you to have this word. I want you to, to experience this word. So in worship, I began to have an encounter, and this is what the encounter looked like. I heard him say, I want you to ride on my victory. And so there was a, an enormous eagle, and I got on this eagle's back. And there were other eagles, and it was about two or three people per eagle that could get on the back of the eagle. And we began to soar miles high in the atmosphere. And as we were soaring on this victory, we were having a perspective from heaven. And we could see how stacked we were where when we were down in our circumstances and in our battles, we couldn't see, all we could see was what was in front of us. But from the perspective of heaven, I could see how stacked we were, how much advantage we had in God's kingdom and with the power of heaven's kingdom behind us. And he, I heard him say, now I want you to stand in boldness. So instead of sitting on the back of this eagle, we began to stand up on the eagle's back in boldness. We weren't afraid of anything. We weren't afraid of falling, even though we were miles high because we had that encounter, we had that perspective changed, and we, when we uh, began to go down back to the ground, we could fight from that perspective of riding on his victory and life. Our daily lives and our daily walks were changed by that encounter that we had with the living God.
3: was hearing the Lord say this morning that my first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and the second is like it, love your neighbor and the Lord says that this is my house and you are like the furniture And the Lord said, there's been some here that have been here a long time. And the others look at that piece of furniture and they want to throw it out. But God says, I'm in the refurbishing business. I don't throw my furniture away. I refurbish it. I make it beautiful. I make it everlasting And the Lord says, there's so many schisms in this nation. Do not let it infiltrate your home. It's up to you to keep it out. This is our home. We need to love one another like the word says to love. We need to look. There are people hurting In this body, and the Lord says, I'm not bringing any more in. There will be no revival out there until you do something in here. There are people hurting, who feel unwanted, who feel like they don't fit. And it's up to us to reach out to them. My heart hurts today because I feel, I feel their hurts and all they want is to be included. And there's just not one or two. There's many in this body that feel like they need to be thrown out with the old furniture. So God says, love, love me, and then you'll love them.
1: God, we just give you all the glory this morning, God. Father, we lift your name on high today, God. Father, we just decree and declare today that the heathen will not rule over us any longer. Father, I thank you that you came to set the captive free, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you today there's hope. There's hope. There's hope. I don't care what your circumstance is today, there is hope. And it may look hopeless, but God says there's hope. Hold on to hope. Amen. As long as Jesus Christ <laughs> is alive, and that's forevermore, there is hope. Amen. If you need a a physical healing today, if you need an emotional healing today, if you need a financial miracle, whatever your need is, God has it for you. And if you need that today, I just want to encourage you to take hold of it. Lift your hands up and take hold of what God has for you. In 2 Chronicles 25, Amaziah was
4: 25
1: years old when he began to reign. And verse 2 says, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but, there's a but, but he did not have a perfect heart. And I hear the Lord saying today that it's all about a matter of the heart. And we've been through consecration, and we're in preparation, and the Lord says, what are you preparing for? Are you preparing for gloom and doom? Are you preparing for victory? What are you preparing for? Because whatever you prepare for is what you're going to get. So I want to encourage you today, I want to provoke you today to be preparing for victory in the battle, amen? The Word says that God has the power to help and to cast down. And then in chapter 26, there was a king named Uzziah. Mm. And it says, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. That's a key. That's a key. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And sometimes we throw our hands up and we have a big old temper tantrum and we say, God, where are you? God, why didn't you answer this prayer? Why didn't you do this? So-and-so's getting blessed. I see this, I see that. And I hear the Lord saying, where are you? What are you beholding in this hour? What are you beholding in this hour? hmm The Lord says we cannot just rend our garments. We can't just put on nice clothes and fix our hair all nice and smell good and and come into his house and act like we're right and act like our hearts are pure before him. Don't just rend your garments, but rend your hearts before him. Call out on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. You will be saved out of whatever circumstance you're in. That's just not talking about saved as, as in salvation. But it's being saved from the attack of the enemy. Call on the name of the Lord. And then in verse chapter 28, verse 15... This is talking about Ahaz, who was 20 years old when he began to reign. Can you imagine having a president of the United States, 20 years old? In this day and time, God help us. Mm. But if he was a godly king, it would be a great thing, wouldn't it? In verse 15, it talks about how he had compassion on the captives. And I want to encourage you today. If you're a man of God, if you're a woman of God, it's time to rise up in compassion. And it's time to give a drink to the captive. It's time to give your shirt to the captive. It's time to take your shoes off and give them to the captives. It's time to take the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the captives and help the captives set free. Amen? You know, sometimes we have to become a donkey. When somebody's walking in a fence, sometimes we have to kneel down. We have to get on all fours, and we have to be that stepping stool to help somebody get over their offense. Amen? And you might say, well, I didn't do nothing wrong. That's not a criteria for bowing down and helping somebody get over their offense. That's called humility. And sometimes we have to humble ourselves no matter what. And we have to let that person step on our back so they can get over that hurdle of offense. That's called bringing healing to a brother. So be ready to walk in compassion. Look at the compassion that Jesus Christ has poured out on you. Look at the things that we have that we don't deserve. And with the same comfort that you have been comforted with, I encourage you to obey the word and reach out and give somebody else that same comfort. Amen.
5: You know everything that someone has said today. It all takes faith. And God's word said that without faith, it's impossible to please God. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, Jacob was talking about Abraham having the faith to take his son. And a lot of times we, we forget what God has done for us. And we need to remember I heard a story this morning and it was about the slaves. It was a family member of the slaves way back how they had one master and that master told them they could not pray. He wanted them to be a Christian but yet he said you can't pray because he was afraid of them praying for freedom. And these people were so set to serve their God that they would wait when their masters would go to bed and they would go in a barn And this slave said their family had this big old pot that they'd cook in, they'd wash the clothes in. And they would go in that barn at night and turn that pot over and get a rock or something to hold it up under. Hold it up. And they would all lay down on their face and pray to their God. And, you know, that pot would keep the sound in. But yet, they had the faith to do that, to believe God for something. And, you know, something, it it wasn't just for their, their prayers weren't just for them, but they were believing for their children and their children, and their children. And we need to get back to that place where we go and we lay before our God and cry out. And see, that takes a faith. You know, a faith to believe God that He's going to do what He says He's going to do. If you can have that faith, And then, right as Pastor Lane said that, elders, come on up. You know, God gave me this word in Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance, and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And see, the reason we can't believe, we can't have that faith, is because we've got this thing entangling us. It has made us forget who we are, what we are, where we've been. And how far we've come. And you got to come to that point. I've got to come to that point. We got to lay this thing aside and run that race that is set before us. Because if we don't, we're not going to make it. Just like Pastor Linda said. If we don't start here, in our own selves, we're never going to see that, that revival that we want to see. It says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set him, set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We've got to come to that place and sit down at the throne of God. Whatever it takes, we've got to lay it aside and do what we know we need to do.
6: During worship today, I had a vision. And I saw the hand of the Lord, and He had a a watering can. And He started over at that end, and He was just watering, watering, pouring His water out on us. And I'd seen those that had been kind of withered, kind of dried up. And as He watered, instantly they just sprang back to life and became full and lush again. And then a few minutes later, I saw he was pouring his fire out, the fire on heaven on different individuals. And the Lord says, I have brought you into my garden." I have transplanted you from out in the world and I have brought you into my garden. And as you've been transplanted, you have also been transformed into my likeness. And the Lord says, you are no longer, when you were out in the world, you were root bound. You couldn't grow. You were shriveling up. The Lord says, now in my house, in my garden, this is the place to set your roots deep in me and to receive the nourishment of my word, to receive nourishment through worship, to receive nourishment through fellowship with one another. The Lord says, you are in my garden and I have transplanted you here to grow and to prosper and to thrive And to bear fruit. I have called my people to be fruitful. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit. Fruit that will last. The Lord says you are no longer that man or that woman that was out in the world. You are mine now. And then you are in my garden. And I have hedged you in. And I will protect you. And after this, I had one other vision. And it's a, it's a grown woman, but I saw her as a little child. And she was hiding behind the robes of Jesus. And she was just peering out. And the Lord says, I have you. And I am your protector And I will always stand in front of you to protect you. You need fear no more.
7: everything that I have heard this morning in the worship and all that's been spoken I hear hope. There is hope. We are never without hope. Wherever you are whatever you're facing our hope is in Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior and every time I speak of hope every time I hear God Speaking to me about hope, I remember an old hymn, and it's an old Baptist hymn, Methodist too. The Solid Rock. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, lean, On Jesus' name. For it's on the solid rock, Jesus Christ, that we stand, and all other ground is sinking sand. And another word that I hear, and I see it every day, and all of us do when we go out into the world wherever we go, and you know, wherever we have our own individual sphere of influence, and that is fear. I see it every day, and it is strong upon our land, upon God's people. And God's Word says, and I'm probably going to exaggerate, I can't remember exactly how many times in God's Word God says, Fear not. I want to say it's 600 times, but then I was thinking, maybe that was 160. But it's probably 600 times because he tells us that we should not fear. For fear is the opposite of faith. We can't have faith and be in constant fear. But we, if we have that faith, To believe and not doubt, not to waver, and to know that what God says He will do, He will do. There will not be fear within us. That doesn't mean that you're not going to to hear the voice of the stranger because he's going to be around all the time trying to tell you, you know God is not going to do what He's telling you. What you're hearing him say, that he will do, he's a liar. Do not fear, but have faith. And in 1 John 5:4, and I, I think I heard Pastor Friend say the word. This is the key. This is a key. The key is our faith. 1 John 5:4 says this. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith, and I, I know for a fact that everyone here today, as individuals, are facing mountains. Every one of us, but we will overcome every one if we will stand on God's Word and have that faith and not waver, we've got to fight. You know, we we are in a war. We've been in a war ever since we were born again. And that war is against the kingdom of darkness and those dark angels. You see, Satan is the God's little g-o-d of this world. And He has a kingdom of darkness, and those are dark angels. The ones that rallied behind Satan when he rebelled against God. One-third of the angels in heaven made that terrible choice to rebel and... Jesus said of Satan, He said, "I saw Satan as lightning fall to the earth, just like that. He was gone when he rebelled, and one third of the angels fell with him, but two thirds did not rebel and st- stayed with with the Lord, with God. And we don't know what that number is, but we know that it must be there must have been a Many, 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 many angels. I don't know what that number would be because one third of the angels that fail with Satan are the demons that we face in this world, and, and they're not. Uh, if I can remember that that word, um, I want to say ubiquitous, but that's not that's not the word for God. He is everywhere. But angel, I mean, the demons are not everywhere at once. I mean, Satan is not. But his demons are all over the world. So there had to be a large number. But we have the victory. The victory is already won. But we've got to have faith to receive it and believe it. And I want to read... Uh, a passage I get—I I could quote it, but I, I don't want to mess it up—and that's in Jeremiah. And every everyone, I'm sure, are familiar with this verse. And it's Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, especially. But I want to go on through verse 14a. And here God's word says, "For I know the thoughts that I have toward you." says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an, an expected end, a future, and a hope. Then you shall call upon me, and you shall go and pray to me, and I will hear you. And you will seek me with and find me when... You seek me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might, with everything you have. You seek me. You will find me. And in verse 14a, God says, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. And turn away is... Another way of saying, I will deliver you from your captivity. So wherever you are today, whatever you're facing that you are in fear of, call on the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and He will hear, and He will deliver you from your captivity. The key is faith. But we've got to fight The fight of faith, as Paul said. Fight the good fight of faith. And it is a battle. And you've got to fight it. And we've got all of the weapons that we need. And we have all of the armor to go out against our enemy and fight and win. And I I have to, every day, remember Ephesians chapter 10... Chapter 6, I'm sorry, verses 10 through 20. And put on that full armor every day. Check it anyway. We should should never go out without it, but check it to see if there are any pieces of that armor that are out of place. So you can stand and fight the battle and know that the battle will be won because Christ has won the victory for us. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Be bold and be strong and banish fear and doubt. We sing sing that. Be bold. Be strong. Banish fear and doubt. For the promise of your God, our God, is to bless your going out and to bless your coming in. So remember that key. Faith. Stand strong and fear not.
8: This morning the Lord gave me a vision of an arm holding a, a gavel. And the the gavel hit. And there was a voice that said, Order, order, order. And then again, the gavel hit. And the voice said, Order, order, order. And I heard the Lord say that if you choose to trust him if you choose to trust him then that trust sets in order that trust sets in order all things and the lord says when you choose to trust him that the impossible Becomes possible. And the Lord says that there are many here. In this room. There are many at home. And across this nation. That have put their trust in action. And they have begun to pray for this nation. Order. 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 Order, says the Lord. The Lord says that when you begin to pray, that you have sowed prayer. And so you will reap mercy, says the Lord. Order. It is time for order in your lives. It is time to trust the Lord. The Lord says that the fallow ground has been broken. And that he will water it, and that no man, no man can stop it. And the Lord says, Order. The Lord says, Order. That I am calling for order.
9: Be as transparent as I can be for a few minutes. Maybe this is the order you're talking about, Angie, the or order you're seeing, but, you know, most of y'all know I hurt my legs about 10 days ago. i done a lot of sitting around since. A lot of sitting around and facing the music, so to speak. Facing the Lord. And He's been reordering my life a lot. Um, I, I was reminded of this while ago, and it kind of sums up the last 10 days for me is no amount of acts of service to the king matters if you forget the king. You know, it's, it's really easy when you've grown up in this to show up and look, look the right way and smell the right way and do what you know you're supposed to do and, um, all those sort of things, those are kind of just redundancies, you know, really, I mean, it's it's kind of second nature, and you know what, he don't care, I mean, of course, it takes action, you know, he he wants us to be servants, but none of it matters if you forget the time before the king, and so I've been just taking the last several days to reevaluate and just say, okay, God, what do you want me to do day in and day out, you know? Refocusing my relationship with Him, my time with Him, my time in the Word, you know? The time I spend pouring the Word into my kids. You know, it's just been a wake-up call for me. You know, a harsh one, really. This, physically speaking, I've always been able to depend on my body. I can push through being sick, but this has really just shut me down. And so if I can just exhort you all today Take the time before God makes you take the time. You know, I don't know how else to put it. You know, I I, I feel like this happened because He was just trying to, trying to get my attention. I don't know how else to say it. So you know, especially you men, you know, if you can identify with me, you businessmen, there's there's always a million things to do. I mean, I, I'm, I've been sitting there for ten days and. The time I'm not spending thinking about God, I'm thinking about the million things I could have been getting done if my legs weren't (laughs) inoperable. Um, But just take that time with God. Like I said, He's going to require it of you one way or the other. So take it and and, and get your life in order. Spend the time with Him. Put Put the Word in your kids. You know... I promise the time you spend with him is more important than if you were to say, I'm going to make all this money and give a million dollars to the church. He don't care. He can bring that from anybody. He can bring that from anybody. He really can. He don't care about that. He wants to bless us, but he wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your affection more than he wants your service. You know, they go hand in hand, but if he don't have your heart, the service, He can get anybody to, to do the service. He can do anybody to show up and go through the motions. Anybody can do that. But He wants your heart. And that's, that's what, what I've been going through. And so I'm just exhorting you all today to take that time with the Lord, refocus, make the time. Make the time, the quality time with Him. He longs for it. He longs for, for that, that time with you. So I'm going to say it one more time. No amount of service for the king matters if you forget the king.
10: confirmation what jeremiah said was what the lord had been speaking to me you know when jesus came off the mountain he had been tempted and he went into the temple and uh he read the scripture he said the spirit of the lord is upon me he has anointed me to be hope for the poor freedom for the brokenhearted and new eyes for the blind and to preach to prisoners you are set free i have come to share the message of jubilee For the time of God's great acceptance has begun. And many people have said that was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. I'm here to tell you that that was not the beginning. The beginning was what Jeremiah was talking about when he was on his face before the Lord, seeking God. That was his first public speaking. But your ministry has to begin way before that. It has to begin in the closet with God, on your face. Humble yourself before Him and seek His face and that's I same thing I encourage you, Jeremiah said Pastor Jeremiah said to just get before God, seek his face, and then he's gonna enable you, empower you to go and preach to the captive and make disciples.
11: You know, a lot of times in the church and our different prayer meetings, and I think Pastor Lane and other pastors have preached about a reflection. We always look for reflections. I believe the Lord has been showing me in First Kings chapter 18. And I'm going to start with verse 17, that this is a reflection of today's times. Back then, of course, this is talking about uh, Elijah. Talking about uh, Jezebel and Ahab and the things going on, the prophets of Baal. But you know there was a a drought in the land. It didn't rain for three years. Now, you may be in a drought right now. I don't know. Only you know that. But it seems like the drought is worsened because the prophets of Baal, on the television, newspapers, whatever, are speaking. They're speaking the things of Jezebel and Ahab. And it's discouraging the church because we're looking at the wrong things. Let me read this. It says, And it came about when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? Right now, the church in general is being called a troubler of the world, of this government, of the United States those who are worshiping Baal and following everything there is to worship their own gods, their own selves, are accusing the true Christians, the true believers, of being a troubler and troublemakers. That's going on today. This is a reflection of that. But what did he say? See, it's a time to be bold. I have not troubled Israel. But you and your father's house have because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed the Baals. But then he goes and says, gather them together at Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel means a place of fruitfulness, like a fruitful field, a place that is a blessed place. And he says, bring them there, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. See, everybody's wanting to eat at the table because they see that they think there's good stuff on that table and there's nothing but death there. And those who are following after man's system and the government and all these things, this is not a political preaching I'm doing. This is telling you, where are you going to sit at the table? You're going to sit at the table with the Baals? You're going to sit at the table with the prophets of Baal? You're going to sit there with Jezebel and Ahab and eat their food because they're supplying for you? Uh, Linda and I mainly depend on Social Security as our income. That comes from the government. Now, we sowed into it. But am I going to bow down to them because that's where my income comes from? No. They can cut it off. They can have it. So Ezekiel, they go up. I'm not going to read every verse. And he also told him, says, call all the people. So Ahab sends a message out to all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. See, it's time for the real church to stand up and says, "Call the people." We've talked about revival. We pray for revival. Now is the time to speak and call all the people. It's time to stand up and say, "There is a God." This is in verse 21. Elijah came near to all the people and he said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? We got a divided church, not just here, everywhere. The ones that want to follow this camp, the ones that want to follow that camp, they're all looking towards men. I'm not going to name names of those in the government. We know who they are. We've looked on both sides. One may be better than the other and one may be worse than the other and Both sides have their faults, but see, we keep looking towards those things and not looking toward the true God, the God Almighty, the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who empowers us to stand in these days and times, to stand in the days of drought, to stand in the days of famine when it looks like there's nothing else. And Jezebel and Ahab says, come and serve us, worship us, and we'll provide for you. We'll take care of all your needs. But see, when he said, how long will you hesitate, hesitate between two opinions of the Lord is God follow him, but if Baal follow him, but the people did not answer him a word. The people cannot answer a word today because they have no word. They have no confidence. They have no faith. They see all devastation and destruction around them. Their hopes were settled into one thing and that failed. And now what are we going to do? We know what happens at... Uh, you know, Elijah kind of toots his horn a little bit and says, I am alone and left, a prophet of the Lord, and Baal's prophets are 450 men. But he was making a comparison. He says, right now on Mount Carmel, right now for us, it looks like we're just a single small group and the prophets of Baal override us because all you got to do is turn on the television for a few minutes and they're all over the place. They're everywhere. They're in the streets. They're in the riots. They're in the demonstrations. They're all out screaming and hollering. But actually, the Lord says later on in another chapter, He says, you're not the only one. I have 7,000 more. There are more of us. It may look small, but there's more of us. And all the people are watching us. They may mock us. They may make fun of us. They may do all kinds of things that may try to bring us down to their level or to what they're doing to destroy us. But they're watching Whether they admit it or not, they're watching and they're scared. So he tells them, you take uh, two oxen. Let the prophets choose the one they want. See, we don't choose the sacrifice. The sacrifice was chosen for us. Jesus Christ. Now, we may build an altar. we got a church. We have an altar here. We put the stones on it. We put the wood on it. But the sacrifice we put on it is Jesus Christ. He is the one that's offered up. He is the one that God gave us. He is the one that we call on. But yet, it's nothing that we did. Elijah was right. He said, pour the water on it. Twelve barrels, I believe it was. He just kept pouring it. It was impossible Impossible to light that with the condition it was in. It is impossible for us to control the sacrifice. Elijah took his hands off of it. And then he turns to the prophet and says, go ahead, you do the same. You you can't light this fire. Get your God to light it. They're going to be proven wrong whether they want to admit it or not. And the sad thing is all the people are watching and they're probably rooting for the prophets of Baal. But he goes on. He says, call on them. In verse 24, then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire. He is God. We have a fire that's to consume us. And all the people answered and said, that's a good idea. I really, I'm not trying to read something in this. I really think when we do this, if we were really truly lay the sacrifice of Jesus Christ out there and we'll say there is a sacrifice and this is the perfect sacrifice, people are gonna say, Well, that's a good idea because you're gonna be proven wrong. See, my God is stronger. What is your God doing? And you just made it impossible for Him to do anything. No. Nope. So they prepared it, it says, and they call her out, Oh bell, answer us. This verse 26, but there was no voice and no one answered. They leaped about the author which they made. You ever watch them? You ever watch these prophets that speak doom and gloom and misery? They leap, they scream, they holler. They get all upset. They get in distress. And see... It says, they leap about this altar, and it came about at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Call out with a loud voice, for he is God. either Or either he is occupied or gone aside or on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. They crowd even louder and they cut themselves. Man, how much bloodshed is coming in our nation and in this world. With these are following the prophets of Baal. You see it all the time. It's all over. But nothing happens, of course. I'm going to, go down to verse 29. It came about when midday was past that they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. So there's no voice. No one answered them and no one paid attention. The day and time is coming that people are going to quit paying attention to these prophets of Baal because they see nothing. They see no real true God in there. They see no true sacrifice. They see no provisions that's really given to them. Actually, what they're seeing is what Baal is robbing them of. Their children, their lives, their income, their food, everything that they have is trying to be taken away from them. There's no answer in that. But here's what Elisha says, Come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord which had been torn down. And he took the stones and you know the wood and the water and he lays all that on there. In verse 36, it came about at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, "O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that Thou art God in Israel, that I am Thy servant, and I have done all these things, to the uh, things at Thy word." Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that Thou, O Lord, art God and that Thou hast turned their heart back again. See, it's time for us to do this same thing. Put everything you got on that altar. Water it down. Do everything that makes it impossible for anything to be done except God. We have a word we use to say a lot. But God. It's time for us to say that now. The altars that you've built and all the stuff that you put on it has been watered down by your actions because you tried to light the fire. We don't light the fire. The Holy Spirit lights the fire. God lights the fire. And it's time for Him to light the fire in us. And this is what's going to happen if we do this. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Today I decree to you. I declare it. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. It is time for us not to stand within our own power and strength and things that we've done and accomplished, but to stand in the power and the authority of the Almighty God who consumes us who consumes the altar, who consumes all the things that we are and shows himself to be strong so the people will say, He is God in Jesus' name.
12: We're going to continue on in just a moment because there are a few few other elders here that I know they have something on their heart. But I want to ask you to stand. We're going to pray right now. I've just gotten word that uh, uh, Ben Han's wife, Liz, they had the vaccine shot yesterday. And she's going through a pretty serious reaction to that. So I want to encourage everybody to, I'm not going to give you details of what's going on there, but hear God before you take that shot. Okay? So a lot of questions on this. Too many right now. Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name for Liz. I I thank you, Lord, that you are the God who heals us. I speak over her body right now from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. I rebuke the toxins that have been put in that body right now in Jesus' name. I come against the reactions, the the allergies, the aspects of everything that's that's caused her uh, to uh, be nauseated and everything else related to this. I speak life over that, not death. I speak that, that... intent of taking that to protect that God the eyes will be turned from that to you because you're the only one that can protect us you're the only one that will keep us safe you're the only one who's the source of healing you're the only one God who's the source of blessings you're the only one who guarantees us long life as a part of what you do and what you say and God we just speak that over her right now in Jesus name everybody say life in Jesus name life in Jesus name over her In Jesus' name. Who's next?
13: James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We're talking about struggles and things people go through, but when I think about the trials, I look at that as a test—different tests in our life, different trials that we go through to better us. And I remember, as as a, a younger person, I lived in an old wood house, and I lived upstairs, and it was about a 25-foot drop from the window to the ground. And so I remember getting in fear about that and thinking about it. What if we had a fire and I couldn't go down the stairs? What am I going to do? And so I ordered a ladder. I ordered one of these. You hook in the window and you drop it off and it goes, you know, and you climb out. And so if we think about it, if you just get that, if you order that, you put it on the shelf, you never test it. You never allow that trial. You never know what it's going to do when it comes time to put it in the window. What if it don't work for your window? What what, what if you're standing there looking at it going, well, here's the house blazing. Here's this thing. This ain't going to work. And so if we begin to think about a trial, if we begin to think about things in our life as God making sure we understand where our faith lies, well, what, what a trial in our life is. You know, Job went through a trial. His wife said, you need to just curse God and die. It was that way. Where are we at when a trial comes? We need to be prepared. We need to be tested. We need to know where our faith truly lies. All these that shared before me, Our trust needs to be in the King. We need to be living for the King. And our faith, what is faith? Our faith is not being able to quote a Scripture and and hold our head up high when things are great. Our faith is when it's not going the way we want it. I think about Paul and Silas in the jail. They've been beaten. They're locked up. And in my mind, this is, you know, Joe's thinking... Paul leans over to Silas and says, Well, praise God. Praise God for who he is. Thank God I can suffer for the Lord. He says, Let's sing a song. They begin to worship God. In verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. We need, we need to understand that temptations are of this flesh and they're going to come on us. Pastor Bill talking about those those prophets wanted to eat at the table all the good things. What our flesh says are good things. What in our mind says are good things. You know, somebody says, how are you doing? Well, you know, I try to say I'm blessed. Don't I, Pastor Lane? Because the truth is, if you are saved and your heart belongs to God, we are blessed. No matter if there's no money in the bank. No matter if I'm hurting in my body, we're blessed. And so when we begin to apply this to that, if if temptations and things are bringing us out of that presence of God, out of where we need to be with God, out of our faith, you know, if we're in the middle of a temptation and sin, it is hard to look Almighty God in the eyes. And, oh, hallelujah. I might can fool some folks in here. But you see, when we go through these trials and when we go through things in our life, it's time to test it. Yesterday afternoon, you know, the church has got some radios. If if things happen, we want to be prepared. We're going through the wind of preparation. And so we, we want to test them. You know, all tests are not hard. Some tests are to see if we're ready or not. You know, God allows us to be tested and have trials in all kind of ways that's not necessarily bad. It might be a young man that a girl comes and flirts at. That right there might be a test. And I assume that may go the other way around some too. I don't know. Women may deal with that. It might be buying something or it might be something different. But the truth is, a trial doesn't necessarily have to be all suffering and all. It can be something testing our faith and pulling us away from God. The worst trial you may ever have is winning a million dollars. So... My brethren, count it all joy. Well,
14: this morning I was, uh, I slept an hour late, and I got up. I did it because I didn't know if Pastor Lane be teaching them big Hebrew words, and it's hard for me to stay awake a lot of times, and I've just got to tell the truth, but but really he told me to get ready because uh, Pastor Bill could go all day, and uh, so, uh, but what I want to tell you about is I, I went down to the store, and I always get me a cup of coffee, and kind of talked to some different people, some interesting people, some crazy people, and I'm not leaving myself out, but the man there said, what do you do on Sunday morning? Why do you get up so early? I said, I'm running late this morning. And I said, i just like to enjoy this time of quiet and peace and just ride and just look. And I said, I have some things I check on and do. And most of all, I got around what it really means. It really means I, I really hear God early in the morning. And that's my time. That's, that's my time there. But the woman there said, uh, do you preach? I said, no. And uh, she said, you don't preach at your church? I said, no, they don't let me preach there. That's a little bit different. And uh, you got to. No, nah, I just, I was, she knew I was joking. But anyway, she said, I go to Wallace Chapel. And I said, really? I said, that's where I used to go when I was a boy. It's right up above the house there, not far on 29. And I said, I always knew when it was time to leave in the summer months, the wash would start getting lower and lower and lower, and the altar call would come pretty quick when it got about head high. So I knew I was going to leave. I had a time schedule there. And uh, I told some preachers that had been there, but anyway, the thing that I left with is what am I doing to be effective? And I remember Pastor Hand told me one time, he said, Philip, just do what you do and go into the world. He said, because if anybody, you're fully convinced of what you believe. And I really am. Even though I wear my feelings on my shirt sleeve, some people might not think I'm saved, but I know I am. You can testify to my wife on. Her blessed, are blessed years with me. But <clears throat> oh, and happy Valentine's Day! Ain't <laughs> uh, and the thing that most most gets me about is the transition of where we were with Pastor Hand and where we are now and if anybody knows me I don't like change much I can deal with it and work through it but it's a bending hurt process and all this is real new to me but you know I know one thing God told me he put me here he planted me here and you know we heard a man on the radio this morning a man Like, and he said one thing and it'll all tie in together he said churches I'll paraphrase it, they're not really hearing God. This is one place that strives to hear God. I've always noticed that and watched it from afar and trying to be a part of it. And I'm really nervous when I get up and in front of people. And I feel like I'm more effective out than in here, but I don't want to, I don't want no limelight. I never have been that kind of person. I don't even want the names on the side of my truck for my business. But Pastor Han told me, he said, That is your business, he said. But most of all, what you were and what you are now is two different things. And it brings me back to the widow and the mite. She put two pennies in. She put that in. And this is evangelism, Jeremiah. I've always looked at the scripture a lot different. She she was evangelizing. She went among all that had all and had plenty. And she laid her whole life right there before God. Jesus. He's seen it. He said she has put everything her life in. It. Now, if that didn't speak to anybody, I've put my whole life in a business that is bigger than me. And I don't even it don't even it don't bother me no more. It it's not what it used to be to me. It is, but it ain't. But the thing that I had to go back and look at is it speaks more to people to know where I come from and where I am now. See, that's evangelism. You don't have to say a word. You can live and people are going to see it. Because the religious, is all they're always going to criticize you and crucify you every day of your life. Hey, I'm guilty of doing it myself. And my son over there, he's, cloned right after me. He said, there's too many preachers here. We should have been gone a long time ago, Daddy. I said, yeah, I guess so. But it's a good thing. Because one thing is this. I'm going to get up here. I'm going to do what I have to do. Because it speaks to a lot more people than just you. And you know, even though you might not think I'm on board with you, I really am. I really am. Because it's one wife, one church, and one life. And they ain't nothing but Jesus. And you can know him today if you don't. Thank you.
15: I just want to say what an honor and privilege it is to be up here among these elders. I mean, it's a privilege to me to stand up here with you, and it's a privilege for me to stand among every single one of you in here. Y'all, we are so blessed. We're so blessed as a church. And I just I just consider it an honor. And God's been speaking to me about time. I heard some other people talk about it. But what I heard the Lord say was, am I worthy of your time? Is God worthy of our time? And he was saying, you're busy in busyness with other people, but I want you to be busy with me. He said, I want you to be busy with me. And servants, you go forth and you serve others and you're just so busy serving and and people have a gift of service. But God said, remember who you are the servant of. You're my servant. You belong to me. And Pastor Terry, you said something about a garden and what what I saw was that God wants to plant a garden in us. And that takes time. You know, if you've ever planted a garden, you don't just plant one day and then you got the fruit the next day. It takes a a lot of time. And so God wants that time with you to be able to plant those seeds. He wants that time to be able to water. He wants you to sit with Him and let Him um, pull out the weeds. And then he wants you to let him produce a fruit of righteousness. He wants a garden of righteousness. And that takes time. And another thing that I just want to share with you, it's a scripture that I'm in that God is just making it come alive in me. And maybe it just takes me longer than some people to get something. But this word is becoming alive in me now as I just meditate on it. And that's one thing he wants you to do is just not to to read the Word of God or look at the Word of God or maybe just a daily scripture, but take it and chew on it and meditate on it and let it become real in your own life. Walk in it. And right now the scripture he's got me in talks about the Word of God. It talks about the Word of God. And I feel like during this time, God is saying it's so important that we get the word in us. You know, he, he is preparing us. And there is going to be a season, you know, where we're going to have to have this word. And Hebrews 4.11, I mean 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword. And God, I mean, y'all, it's just coming alive in me that this Word is living. It is God-breathed. It is Holy Spirit-breathed. These were not just men that just said, well, I'm going to write something that sounds good. These These were written by men that were filled with the Holy Spirit. And as they were filled with the power of God, God took that pen and He put it in here. And so this word is alive. It's the power of God. It is powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And what God has been showing me is that we're going to need this word in the culture. Because right now the culture is saying, Homosexuality is okay. The cu- culture is saying, you know, there are just so many people living together. It must be okay because so many people are doing it. And so you've got your, your mind and your mind is trying to say, well, let me think about that. Well, I'm looking and I'm seeing, you know, everybody's doing it. Maybe it's okay. But then the word of God is like this sword. And it wants to come into you, and it wants to just slice right between what is your mind and what is your spirit. And if you will fill your spirit up with this Word of God, then when these things come to you and you begin to question, then we were talking about keys. This is a key. is the Word of God. Because what's going to happen is your mind is going to kind of wander about things and, and maybe even try to decide something. But yet, you know, with the the spirit of the living God in you, you're going to know, hmm, something's just not quite right about that. And if you will go to the Word of God, then it's going to just slice right between that for you. And it's going to be spirit of truth for you, and it's going to come on you, and you're going to know the truth, and the truth is going to set you free. The Word of God is going to set you free. And I just want to exhort teenagers. I want to exhort children. Get in the Word of God. Open up your Bible. Open up your Bible and read it and and see what it has to say because you're going to grow up in a world that's going to have all kinds of things and you're not going to know what's right unless you get in this Word of God. If you get in it, then you will know the truth. I just want to exhort you to do that. And God bless you.
12: I didn't get to my 18 pages of notes today. Didn't know this was going to happen. Charles, if you would get these baskets and let's put them by the door so that when we're going out, we're not going to take time to do that. And as far as announcements go, we don't have anything but the basketball, prayer cottages, and the upper room this week. Is that right? All right. So everybody pretty well knows those. Uh, Jeremiah, we'll talk about the building fund next week. Let's just do that. But right now, I want everybody to, to just listen just for a moment more. We're not done yet. Did uh, Eric, we get that song up with the, spirit, the lyrics on it? Okay, we're going to listen to do worship to a song in just a minute. But I'm going to tell a story here, real quick, because uh, most of what came forth today lines right up with what God had given me to share. This has been some dec- decades ago, and this was in the state of Maine. We've seen this here. I saw it uh, up around Anniston when they put the, the dam up for uh, Logan Martin Dam. Or that lake, and that impoundment. They went in, and, and uh, whoever designed these things, the engineers, they chose certain areas and they built these dams, knowing that they were going to go back and flood cities, and towns, and villages along that route where the water was going to be pushed back. And uh, can somebody turn that air conditioner off? It's a little bit chilly in here right now. Uh, I see some icicles hanging from some ceilings, uh, different places. So they went in, they they. Uh, went into a particular town there in Maine and they told them that, that uh, the dam is going to come through here. So they, they gave them compensation for the houses and it was going to be some time before the dam was going to be uh, built totally and the water was going to come back. But this is what happened. See, there was, there's something major here we need to get a hold of today that's been intertwined in everything that's come forth and, and I believe this brings it out. But as soon as the announcement was made, The people were reimbursed, and they were given several months to move out. All the improvements on all the houses stopped right there. Nobody painted anything. Nobody repaired the roads. Nobody repaired the sidewalks. Everything just deteriorated. This was a long time before the flooding was to start. The town looked uncared for and abandoned, But the people were still there. Now, y'all listen carefully. Where there is no faith in the future, where there is no faith in the future, we call that a vision. We call that hope from what God's Word teaches us. Where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. There is no power in the present. Now, I'm going to tell you, there is a group of evil, vile. Corrupt men and women who are trying to yank any hope or any kind of future away from God's people in this nation right now. And I'm not going to let them do it. They're not going to do that with me because I know what God said, that's what I'm going to stand on. Where there's no faith in the future, there's no power in the present. You see, when we have a, a vision, when we have hope, when we have faith, we we know that that's there. We grab from that. We, we, we sink our hands into it. And our faith draws us through the things we walk through to get us to that point. So we can't lose that vision. We need to keep our eyes on what God's telling us to do for such a time as this. So I want to thank the elders for stepping up to the plate. They did not know we were going to do this this morning, by the way. Nobody had a clue. You ready? Okay, this is, I don't even know what this is, but this is something that our worship leader is leading us into, so. Okay.
4: I just wanted to preface this song. Um, so we're in, I, I know every, everything everyone has said today has been very serious and, and solemn. And I know that's where we're at. But with that, the Lord has also, he's made me lay down some things this month. But he's also instilled so much joy and so much passion for what we're doing. Because without that, I mean, how is the world going to know? who we are. When you're passionate about something, you talk about it, right? And so I, I listened to this song a few weeks ago, and I'm telling y'all, so much joy just overtook me, and chains were broken off of my life. And so I just want to encourage you um, during this song to just worship and just, you know, lay down the things that God wants you to lay down and pick up joy. He wants to bring us back to the joy of our salvation, So go ahead.